0: Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues the series, Momentum. Brandon encourages us that God has the ability to fulfill every promise he makes. What in your life are you doubting God to fulfill? Today we're going to continue this series called Momentum, and and I'm seeing my timer's ticking off really fast, so we're going to jump in here. But uh, this series has been based out of the prayer from Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to read that prayer in just a moment. And uh, we've been looking at this, and and the thought of this, the reason we named it Momentum is as we're praying through this, and as I was thinking about this series, really began to realize like all spiritual momentum begins with prayer. Spiritual momentum in our lives, spiritual momentum in the lives of the church, um, that that begins with prayer and we looked the first week at God's greatness and how prayer begins when we recognize the greatness of God we looked at the second week of how when we begin to connect with God in prayer God gives us a burden for what he cares about our hearts begin to break for what breaks his and we begin to go out and 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 go to the lost we go to those who are hurting um last week we had an awesome fun Sunday I'm talking about repentance right Um, And and the opportunity that God has given us in repentance that we can turn from our sin and turn to him and have life in him and be given freedom in Christ through um, simply turning from our sins and trusting in Jesus and following Jesus. We have that opportunity. What an awesome opportunity. Today, what I want to talk to you about, and the next thing I saw as I was reading this prayer out of uh, Nehemiah 1, is that I saw Nehemiah began to pray in light of God's power and his promises, He began to pray in light of God's power and his promises this is what we're going to be talking about today and I want you to understand that if we're going to continue to on the journey that God's given us if we're going to accomplish the purposes that God has given us as as followers of Jesus as his children as the ones who are carrying the light of the kingdom of God it will be because we understand the power and promises of God so we're going to jump into that. I want to read Nehemiah chapter one we'll pray and then we'll get going this is the prayer that Nehemiah prayed it says the words of Nehemiah son of Hakaliah in the month of Kislev in the 20th year while I was at in the citadel of Susa Hanani, and I one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem they said to me those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace the wall of Jerusalem has been broken down And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and this is the prayer, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you, have, you gave your servant Moses. And listen to this. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled peoples are, people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Let's pray God. Today, I just pray that our spirits would be set on fire by the power of your Holy Spirit and that your promises, God, would just ring true in our hearts and that through that we would have the courage to move forward in this journey with you advancing your kingdom and that through that we would have peace, God. Not because everything around us is perfect, but because the God of peace is in our lives and we know that we have these great and awesome promises to look forward to and these great and awesome promises that are a reality in our lives right now. God, just do an awesome work in our hearts today that we can uh, allow you to do an awesome work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, one of the things that's been really big in our life lately has been uh, Little League baseball. Uh, Man, it's like all we do is live at Mill Creek. If you're looking for us, come to Mill Creek. We're there. Um, Typically, I I think it would be better to sell my heart, not my heart, sell my uh, house and just get like an RV, you know, and just park it in the parking lot, just live there, it'd be good. And so we've been playing a lot of ball. This past week, we had our our tournament, and this is serious stuff, man. This is nine and 10-year-old baseball playing for the championship. This is serious stuff, right? And so we go out. The first game, we were the number eight seed. We were playing the number nine seed. Um, We'd already beaten this team one time this year and thought, man, we got a good opportunity. We ended up pulling it out, almost got beat, but we pulled it out. And so we had an opportunity to continue on in the playoffs. The only problem was we were playing the number one seed in the whole Little League. Our next game was against the mighty Stilson Braves. And man, they—they're they, like holy terrors, man. They are good. And so we're like, you know, I don't. Know, can we win this game? What can we do? So I get the team together. We get to the ballpark and get the team together. They're kind of intimidated. I'm a little intimidated. And so I get them together, and I'm going to give them the, you know, win one for the giver that kind of thing. Come on up here, kids. The nine and ten year olds. They come up. I'm like, take a knee. Get on your knee. And they get on a knee. And I get down on my knee. I'm looking them eye to eye. This is man to man. This is serious stuff. And I look at them, and I'm like, guys, I want you to understand something. You're going to win this game today whole time in the back of my mind, I'm like, we're about to get killed. You are going to win this game today because you're the best team out here. You're going to win. You're going to do it. You can beat these guys. They've been beaten. They've been tied. You can beat these guys. And they were like, yes, sir. And I could tell they did, they did not buy in. They did not buy in at all. We go out. Man, it was incredible. We end up winning the game in the last inning, nine to eight was awesome beat the number one team in the league I'm like we we're gonna roll we are gonna we're gonna take this thing we've got it no doubt about it we go on to the next game the next game we're playing um a little bit lower seed and and it's a team that we almost beat Tennessee I'm like we got this game and so I do the same thing I'm like certainly this will work again I get the kids up before the game I get down on my knee I'm looking at them eye eye. I'm like look at me you're gonna win this game you know why you're the best team out here and they're like we're the best team coach yes sir they were fired up this time they were so bought in I'm like you're gonna beat them we go out first inning man we didn't score any runs but it's okay they come in to bat the first inning they put up six six to nothing so the kids are coming off the field they're kind of down they're kind of looking at me like man what you're crazy And so I call them up. I'm like, guys, listen to me. One thing I promise you, they will not hit the ball like that every inning. They bat it around, 10 batters. I'm like, they will not do that every inning. So we come in, we bat, we get one run, six to one. I'm like, let's just keep getting a little bit. We'll catch them. They go back out, they bat, or come back in, they bat. Five. 11 to one, 10 batters. So I'm like, what do I tell them now? I'm like, I'm out of of thing. I'm I'm just kind of like, can we just go eat? Let's go to El Sombrero, get a taco. And so they're coming back in off the field and, and they're all running by kind of with their heads down. And, and, and Dake, who plays first base, was on the other side of the field, my, my nine-year-old. Um, and he's coming off the field. He gets on the other side of the foul line. He starts walking, walks by me, never looks up, never makes eye contact and just says, I thought you said they weren't going to do that again. <laughs> so I smacked him in the back of the head. When he woke up, the game was over. I did well he he called me on it he's like you said that they weren't going to score 10 runs or, or get 10 batters again they weren't going to score like that again shortly long, we lost 16 to one in three innings we had 13 batters one of them didn't even get to hit you talking about a beaten we took one and so here's the thing this is the point I want to make with that listen I made a promise on something that I couldn't guarantee you know what I mean I mean it was their fault not mine I couldn't guarantee it and this is the deal guys like if we make promises that we can't guarantee the promise is empty right it doesn't mean anything and but here's the flip side how many of you have heard of a guy named Carlos Slim anybody heard of Carlos Slim you should have he's like the richest man in the world 69 billion dollars billion dollars that's a ton of money yeah literally like you stack that up it's a ton of money and and here's the deal guys this dude has all the money that that he could possibly ever need do you think he could give me a million dollars and not miss it yeah it'd be like me giving you a dollar he's got more money than than, than he could ever spend do you think he's going to give me a million dollars no not why he's got no desire to give me a million dollars he, he, there's no promise there. There's nothing. There's there's no reason for him to and the thing I want you to see in this Is that on the one hand promises that can't be backed up are empty On the other hand all the power and all the ability in the world does not matter if there's not a desire to do it Right So think about this It takes both power and promise To give us confidence that what somebody's told us is going to happen It takes both having the desire and the ability to do something that gives us the confidence that something is going to happen. What I want you to understand is this, that God has both the ability and the desire to do everything that he's promised in his word, right? Y'all wait this morning. Where's the lady that usually claps in here? Where's she at? I'm going to start paying her to come to church. But seriously, God has the desire and the ability to fulfill every single promise that he's made in the Bible. I want you to understand that's what Nehemiah is praying right here. After he prays this prayer of repentance, he comes back and in Nehemiah 1, 8, 9, listen, he says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you're exiled people are at the farthest horizon I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name what's Nehemiah doing he's remembering the promise of God Nehemiah is in a tough situation he's in exile in Babylon and 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 he finds out that his people and the city that he he loves is in ruins and he's like God I'm in a tough place but this is what you said And this is what I'm trusting in. And I want you to see that Nehemiah is remembering the promises. He's praying the promises of God, not because God needs to be reminded, but because Nehemiah needs to be reminded. Anybody in here that sometimes you just need to be reminded of what God promised to do? Come on, my goodness. There's every day, man, something goes against you. But how much better is it when we can remember the promises of God? And what God's promised to do and this is what Nehemiah is doing God doesn't need to be reminded of the God has never forgotten the only thing God has forgotten according to the word is your sin when it's covered in Jesus says he remembers our sin no more God's never God's never had to like have Siri on his cell phone to make his calendar dates right God's never woke up one morning with an identity crisis, not knowing who he was or what he was supposed to do. He's never forgotten his identity. He's never forgotten his purposes. But this is what I would say. There are times in our lives when we need to be praying the promises of God, remembering the promises of God, because we need to be reminded about his identity and we need to be reminded about his purposes. Right? There are days, man, you can get so just, just bogged down in life. Man, it's those days when your lip starts hanging out, your head starts dropping. Things don't seem to be going your way, but this is what I would say. Man, this Bible is full of promises. and If we go to the Bible and we see these promises, we begin to pray these promises and remember that the God who's promised has full ability and full intention on fulfilling every promise that is in this word, And we can move forward with confidence. We can move forward with confidence. With the purposes and intentions of God. I want you to see that today. I want you to understand that today. And there's a couple of things I want you to understand about his promises. The first one is this that they are already. His promises are already. How many of you heard of the Apostle Paul? Anybody heard of Apostle Paul? Yeah, a few people. <clears throat> Good. He's pretty important. Um, he, he was the apostle, right? He wrote most of the New Testament he he lived a life that was absolutely incredible and one of the things that paul understood was that the promises of god are already he got this he understood it in fact if you have your bibles i want you to turn them over to second corinthians chapter two real quick we're going to be looking at this i want to give you a little bit of backdrop as to what's going on in the scripture what's taking place here for paul is that the Corinthians, this, Corinth, this church in Corinth is, is giving him a bunch of, 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 for lack of a better word, a bunch of crap, right? This is a church Paul started. These people were, were Christians because of the word that Paul preached, not just with words, but with the power of the gospel. And now Paul is having all kinds of trouble. Basically, First and Second Corinthians in large part was written to defend his authority and defend his apostleship, to, to defend what Paul was doing in the church. And he comes in here to 2 Corinthians 18. And Paul understood this. These people were coming against him. They were making folks begin to doubt his integrity, doubt his authority. And and he realized this. If they begin to doubt my integrity, it won't be long until they begin to doubt the integrity of the message. Right? If you don't believe in the integrity of who's speaking, you're not going to believe what they're speaking about. Right? Integrity is everything. Having character is everything. And Paul realizes if this gets broken down, then man, it's all messed up. They're not gonna believe the message. But in Paul's life, the message was everything. It wasn't. They could think what they wanted about him. He just wanted to make sure they understood the message, that they they believed in the integrity and faithfulness of the gospel, and that they believed in the faithfulness of God. And so Paul, beginning in verse 18, begins to defend the gospel, not by defending himself, but he does this thing that's really common in the Bible. He starts with a greater argument and moves to the lesser. So instead of defending his own faithfulness and his own integrity, He begins to defend the faithfulness of God. Listen to verse 18. It says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. So he says, surely as God is faithful. Listen, this isn't about me. This is about the message of Jesus Christ. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God let me summarize that because it sounds kind of confusing basically what Paul is saying is listen God is faithful and everything that God has promised has been fulfilled in Christ He even says that every promise is yes. Every promise is amen. It has been done in Christ so that everything God has promised in his word has already been fulfilled. It is done. It's like as sure as you're sitting here, as as, as sure as Joe Carnes is sitting on the front row, right now, every promise of, of God has been fulfilled in Christ. It is sure. Paul understood this. Paul understood that you can count on everything that God has said to be true and to be trustworthy. But at the same time, Paul also understood something else. He also understood that some of the promises of God are not yet. Does that make sense? They are as sure as you are sitting here today, but some of them just aren't yet. I mean, as we begin to look at what Paul was going through, his is being doubted, his is being questioned. He had been stoned. I love Paul, man. He goes out, they take him, drag him out. They throw stones on him. They think he's dead. He like crawls out from underneath the stones and walks back in the city. That is awesome. But his reality was not all the promises of God being there, being fulfilled at that moment. I want you to listen to this, man. This is an awesome scripture. If you're having a bad day, go read this scripture and set your minds on the things that are to come for us who are believers in Christ. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. And this is John writing. and and proclaiming what is to come in the new heaven and new earth it says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This was not Paul's current reality, but there was something inside of Paul called the Holy Spirit that told him to look forward look ahead because this is the reality to come it is as sure as we're here today that one day God will wipe away every tear from every face that there will be no more death there will be no more mourning there will be no more pain and as sure as we sit here today this is the reality that is to come I went and got my hair cut um this week and i had the lady that cuts my hair a friend of ours she was like man i'm just having a bad day can you pray for me can you i said go read revelation 21 1 through 5 i don't know if it helped her or not she didn't text me like thank you so much for that verse it may not have helped her she might have been like well i don't understand that but it helped good all right good it helped um but here's the deal man when things aren't going well, when, when there are tears in your eyes, when there's mourning in your heart, when you do feel pain, lift up your eyes and look to what's to come understand that that this current reality is not the greatest reality that there is the reality is that God is on his throne and the one who is in control has promised revelation 21 1 through 5 and no matter what comes today no matter what comes tomorrow for those of us who have turned from our sin and turned to Christ and trusted in Jesus that is the reality to come man is there a greater promise than that that no matter what that is our reality in the future we sit awake at night worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow we sit awake worrying about what's going to come next week and yet if we can just continue to remind ourselves of the promise of God that one day one day God is going to reorder things God, how many of you, when you played sports when you were little and you'd be in the backyard playing and something would happen that wasn't right, maybe you kicked the ball and it hit the power line, what did everybody holler? Redo! Do over! There's going to be a cosmic do over that takes place when God sets everything right. Right? And when we begin to pray in light of all that God has already done and the fact that these things are sure, 100% sure in Christ, we can begin to have hope for what's coming in the future. We can realize that God has indeed given us a good future and a hope that he has indeed made plans for us to prosper us and to not harm us. But He's setting things back in order. This is the, the kind of the weird thing for us, though, as Christians. We live in this place that is like already, but not yet. You see that? Like it's all been done. It's sure, we're, it's there. But then on the other side, it's not yet. And it's almost like we live in this tension, this place. I don't know if you would call it the between time or maybe the meantime. time, but I don't know if you've ever noticed that the most difficult time is in the waiting, is it not? You go to the doctor, man, and, 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 and you have a test done. What's the toughest time? It's in the waiting. You know what I'm saying? You're just nervous. I know when we would go and, and have our children, so, well, we wouldn't have, Susan would have our children. I was just there. The hardest part, man, was in the waiting. I'm like, come on, let's get this done. Let's get this done. And, and it, was, it was the tension. And we live in this place where, where for us, it's already, but it's not yet. And we live in this meantime that seems to be the hardest part. And I believe that after Paul looks at him and he says, listen to me, guys, this is the reality. Everything has been fulfilled in Christ. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Don't base your understanding, your trust or the faithfulness of, of the gospel on me. Base it on the one who's greater than me. After he says this and he recognizes the fact that everything's fulfilled in Christ, he also recognizes the fact that we live in this this reality that is not yet and he says this in verse 21 he says now it is God who makes both us I want to give you just real quick I got 11 minutes and 18 seconds and, and we're gonna look at four things real quick that are found in this verse. It says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I believe Paul knew a thing or two about how to wait patiently, about how to be strong, about how to stand firm in the meantime until everything that we see that that God has promised is our reality, is what we are experiencing, I believe he gives them four things that if we'll remember them, if we'll pray them, if we'll look to them, if we'll draw strength from them, then we can have strength, we can have perseverance in the meantime. The first one that I wanna tell you is in this first verse it says it is God who makes both us and you stand firm the first promise that God has given us is he's given us eternal security he has promised us eternal security everybody likes to be secure right yeah sometimes I go um, to bed at night Susan will stay up a little later than me if she's in here I gotta be careful um Susan go to bed later than me some nights and I'll lock all the doors make sure everything's good Wake up the next morning, there'll be chairs, tables, all kinds of stuff in front of the doors. I'm like, Susan, what in the world were you doing last night when I went to bed? She's like, I heard a noise. It's like, so all the furniture gets put in front of the doors. And I'm like, Wow, that's crazy. So I'm I'm getting furniture out of the way before I, I leave for work that morning. Didn't bank that in on the snooze, you know, when I was hitting the snooze. But but she put all this why? Because it made her feel more secure. But the reality for us is this the only real security that you and I have is what is given to us by God through Jesus Christ. That is the security. Listen, we do not find peace and security by thinking that somehow we can manipulate God through prayer. We find peace and security by realizing that there is a sovereign God who is in complete control and he has our best interest in mind. That is security. And we have this awesome opportunity. And I want to tell you that having God's guarantee of eternal salvation equals eternal security because the one who has promised has the power to do it the one who has promised has the power to hold you securely in his arms in his hand where nothing can take away what he's given you. And you pray in light of that. You remember that it'll give you confidence to move forward in your purposes. Nehemiah knew that God has got me. He knew that if I continue to move forward and do what what God's called me to do, that I can accomplish it. I can. And no matter what comes tomorrow, no matter what happens, God's got me. The second one I'll tell you is this. It says, in Jesus, you have all you need to do all that you need to do the first word there that Paul used was stand firm and he's saying basically this is this is done this is this you've been sealed God's going to do exactly what he promised to do and so we come to this next word which is anointed he says this stand firm in Christ and he says he anointed us this word for anointed is taken out of this old testament um, concept of anointing People And what people would do is, is they would anoint um, the, the priests, they would anoint the prophets, they would anoint the kings, basically saying they have been set apart and empowered to lead God's people. And they would set apart the prophets so that, and they would anoint them, empowering them to speak God's word to the people on God's behalf. So the prophets would speak God's word to the people on God's behalf. They would anoint the priests who would speak for the people to God. So you got one hand, the prophet spoke from God to the people. On the other hand, the priest spoke for the people to God. And he also made sacrifices so that the people could be forgiven of sins. And then you had the kings who were anointed and set apart so that God could again begin to place his rule and, and bring everything back under his rule on earth. Now, this is what's pretty awesome. When we talk about anointed, the, 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 the Hebrew word for that was like Messiah, something like that. I don't know how to, you know, just say Messiah. The Greek word was Christos, Christos. The English word is Christ. And when they would say anointed, They would realize that we are anointing this person to fulfill these offices of God, but they were also proclaiming and believing in their heart and in their mind that there is one to come who will not be anointed by man, but who will be the anointed one, which is Christ. And I want you to see and I want you to understand that Jesus, as prophet, came and he didn't just proclaim the word, he lived it out perfectly. He embodied the word perfectly. Jesus, as priest, came and he didn't just talk to God for us, he he didn't just make sacrifices for us, he became sin for us and became the ultimate sacrifice so that now you and I can talk to God for ourselves. You don't need me, you don't need a priest, you don't need anybody else to go between you and God because. God has made a way through Jesus for you to come to him. And as king, man, listen, Jesus put every power, every authority under his feet so that he could begin to reestablish his kingdom. He began to establish the kingdom of God. It's why he preached when he came and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. It wasn't that the kingdom was about, to, the kingdom was inside of him. And he was bringing that to the people. And what I want you to understand that today is this, by Jesus becoming a prophet and, 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 and coming to earth and embodying the word perfectly by being our sacrifice and being our priest, he made sacrifice for sin, he went to God on our behalf. And right now as we sit, for those of us who are in Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for each one of us. Pretty awesome thought to think that Jesus is praying for us. And then the fact that he took every power and every authority, put it under his feet, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of the Lord. Of lords and that now because of that because we can come to God God not only allows us to speak to him but he has also filled us with his very presence his very spirit so that you and I because of Jesus the anointed one have become anointed that is what Paul is telling the Corinthians in this passage is realize this you've been anointed by God to do his work you've been anointed by God so that you can stand firm you've been anointed by God to fulfill the purposes of God and advance his kingdom That is good news. Listen, the excuse, I can't or or, I don't think I can, it doesn't work for Christians. You've been empowered by God, set apart by God to do the work of God. When Peter preached in Acts 2, 38 and 39, he told the people this after he told them they would murdered God. He says this. He says, listen to me. If you'll repent and be baptized, you will receive the Holy Spirit. It was a promise of new power that that, that people had not seen before, not seen the likes of before, that would not just come upon them, but would indwell them and give them them the ability to do everything that God had called them to do. The third one is this, that God has installed an anti-theft system for the life he's given you. It says on down here in verse 22 it says that he set his seal of ownership on us it basically is telling us this listen that our lives have been sealed by the power of the holy spirit that our lives have been sealed by the power of the holy spirit when we were having our first child um i wanted to find out what it what it was susan didn't what do you think we did i'm just saying y'all know exactly we didn't find out right and, and so we made this deal. She was like, well, let's put it in an envelope and we'll hide the envelope. And just in case we might want to read it one day, we'll, we'll hide it, we'll have it. And, and, and so I made this deal. I was like, all right, here, you hide it. If I find it, I get to open it. How about that? She's like, okay, but you'll never find it. I walked in. Let's just say maybe I was led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I walked in within like 30 seconds, I found the envelope. And I'm like, <clears throat> she's like, how'd you find that? I'm like, don't you know I'm a genius by now? We have been together so long and still you don't believe. And, and she was like, you can't open it. And I was like, you, what, you made a deal. She was like, no. And, and so I'm looking at, I'm trying to see if I can somehow open it without breaking the, the seal on it. And I couldn't, I thought about steaming it, like getting some boiling water and steaming it, seeing if it pop loose. But Man, I knew, like, I could have probably got it in that envelope. I thought about putting it in another envelope. But I knew, like, if I break the seal on this envelope, man, the wrath that I'm going to experience, it ain't even worth it. I can wait. I can wait another eight, ten, whatever, you know, whatever, how long it takes, I can wait. Because I knew that it was not worth breaking that seal. When we read this word that talks about God sealing us with the Holy Spirit, it, it comes with that thought, it comes with this thought that that God has sealed it. He's he's closed it off. Back in this day, they would seal letters, especially letters that that contained very valuable things, and they would seal it with a seal that that was almost like a branding on the on the envelope or on the letter or on the package, and it would keep people from tampering with it because you would know if the seal was broken that that it it had been messed with it had been tampered with and this is the thing i want you to understand is when god says that he has sealed our lives with the holy spirit he's basically made your life tamper proof because he sees the value of what's inside not awesome that god has has made it Or satan or no power or no authority can take away the life of jesus that's been placed in you no matter how bad the day seems man set your eyes on the fact that god has sealed you with the power of his holy spirit he has sealed you this thought it also contains this thought of being branded like like you ever seen like on tv or something? Never seen this in person but people branding an animal I saw a guy, you know, you've seen these guys, like they got these brand, they've been branded on their arm. I'm like, how drunk were you to think that was a good idea? Let's see how high we can get it and then stick it on our arm. That's crazy. But it's this thought of being branded and it's this thought that this thing has been impressed upon us permanently that cannot be taken away. And when someone brands an animal, if I were to have cows, first of all, I would not know what to do with a cow except eat them. I don't really know how to raise a cow. But if I branded the cow and someone saw that brand, one thing, it would tell them that, that, that this cow is owned by someone. It's owned by someone is someone's property and when they saw that brand the other thing it would tell them is that you don't need to mess with this property and I want you to see that what Paul is telling these people is stand firm you've been sealed you've been branded your identity is in Christ and no one can take that away you're a child of God Now move confidently. Move forward. Stand firm. Don't let anyone or anything shake you. Stand firm in what you believe and who you are because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, you can understand this fact that you have indeed been sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit resides in you and nothing can take that away from you. The last one It says, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The fourth thing I want you to understand in this great promise that God has given us is that we realize that God has made a down payment that ensures we will receive the fullness of his promises. We realize that God has made a down payment that ensures we will receive the fullness of of his promises we don't buy anything today hardly without making a down payment one of the things that got us in so much economic trouble was people who couldn't make down payments on homes were buying homes and then it got to the point where they couldn't pay them pay off the loans and this is the thing i want you to understand is that god has not promised something he cannot fulfill through christ and through his holy spirit being deposited in us the one thing that we know is that he has made a down payment on us that he will fulfill completely and the future and and peter when he's writing he he talks about it like this he says now that you've tasted that god is good now that you've tasted he's good move on to maturity crave pure spiritual milk move on move forward and God has given us this Holy Spirit within us. He has placed his spirit inside of us to give us a foretaste, just a little sampling of the glory that is to come. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we realize this is that foretaste. It's like going to Baskin Robbins. You ever gone to Baskin Robbins and you were like, I, don't, I really don't want any ice cream. I think I'll just sample some. Let me sample that. I don't think I really want any. And you get a sample and the next thing your next words are like i'll take two scoops in a waffle cone right because you tasted it it was good i look at reed my little 16 18 months i don't know how old he is he's 18 months man we'll we'll go somewhere and you better have a bottle why the kid loves his bottle we were out at my mom and dad's one time we had to bring the truck we pulled the trailer into town it was late he was tired he was going, bye-bye, bye-bye. When he says bye-bye, you better find a bottle. We're on the way back. So he's like, you don't swing by the house and get a bottle? I'm like, nah, he'll quit crying in a minute. He'll go to sleep. Nope. 30 minutes at least crying. Why? One his bye-bye. Loves milk, man. Loves it. And this is the thing that I would tell you as a Christian, when you trust in Christ, there's something inside of you that has given you a foretaste of the glory to come and nothing on this earth will satisfy except God. And this is the thing, guys, I want you to see, is that that will keep you looking forward keep you moving ahead if we'll just go back and we'll begin to realize that the deal is guaranteed by one who can fulfill it if we'll realize that we can stand firm and we can do everything that God's called us to do because he's anointed us with the power of the Holy Spirit he has given us the ability to do it if we'll realize that he has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit that he has sealed our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit if we'll just stand firm knowing that no matter what God has got me we can move forward trusting him we can step out knowing that God has got my back man when we begin to pray in light of the guarantee of Christ that has been deposited in our lives we have confidence to move forward listen to me God's hand is not too short to save God's never lacked power There's never been anything God wanted to do he could not do. God's never broken a promise. And the things that God has promised to do, he will do. God is mighty and powerful and when we begin to pray in light of his power, we begin to realize that he does do everything that he has promised he'll do. Then we move forward, man, confident, knowing that God has got our back, that we can stand firm. We can accomplish everything he's given us to accomplish. Let's pray.